Hello, my name is Andrew Gary, and welcome to Seismic Sound Off in depth conversations in applied geophysics. In this episode, Shoyavik Mukherjee discusses his article in July's The Leading Edge about high resolution imaging of subsurface infrastructure using AI. The use of drones for geophysical data acquisition and AI for geophysical data processing, imaging, and interpretation are active focus areas in current industry and academic applications. Unlocking their cumulative potential in single focus applications could have a transformative impact, possibly leading to dramatic cost reductions in key use cases and new application areas for enhanced, actionable business intelligence. In this conversation, Shoyuvik presents field study results from Texas and California that show the potential for imaging pipelines and other subsurface infrastructure using AI-based methods. He also highlights the similarities and differences between conventional least squares and machine learning-based inversions and how he achieved a hundredfold increase in efficiency. Whether exploring AI, machine learning, algorithms, or the latest geophysical technology, this conversation has something for everyone. And now my conversation with Shoyavik Mukherjee. So we're talking about an article that you published in, in July's The Leading Edge about high resolution imaging of the subsurface infrastructure using AI. And part of this infrastructure you explore is the more than 3 billion miles of pipeline from oil, gas, water, electric utilities, and so forth that sit below our feet as we speak now. How do we currently monitor the safety of these billions of miles of infrastructure below our feet? Yeah, great question. Uh, well, the two most commonly used methods are uh, using inline expansion tools that contain either a magnetic flux leakage sensor or an ultrasonic uh, sensor for pipes whose diameters are large enough to count them. And usually these are somewhere between 8 to 12 inches and higher. Otherwise, uh, you've got to just simply excavate and then apply some either visual or other non-destructive testing methods to see them. A funny name for uh, these inline inspection tools is called PIGING in the industry parlance. Yeah, speaking of non-destructive, is it possible to monitor the safety of that much pipeline using conventional geophysics? It, yeah, you can see pipelines using conventional geophysical sensors, but there are two key obstacles. Uh, firstly, you have to collect data at a high enough resolution over uh, really long distances. So we're talking about collecting data at centimeters or inches, every few centimeters or inches, over distances ranging over uh, several tens to hundreds of kilometers. And you've got to do this in a commercially feasible manner. Aircraft and helicopters uh, can acquire data, but they're like way uh, high above in the above the ground to be sensitive to these uh, small scale changes. On the other hand, handheld or other uh, cart bone or ground bone devices are limited by either speed or maneuverability around uh, cultural obstacles that are prevalent in oil fields and other high human activity settings where the uh, pipeline safety is usually of paramount importance. The second obstacle is, of course, uh, even if you do manage to collect some amount of uh, uh, decent quality data, you've got to process the data to then reconstruct the material properties of the pipe at an adequate resolution and confidence level to impact uh, business decisions. And with the current geophysical imaging techniques that don't use AI, 
it's really difficult to get that kind of resolution out um, you know, from those methods. So those are the key obstacles to uh, doing this uh, using conventional geophysics. Well, your paper combines two cutting-edge techniques, drones and artificial intelligence. And looking at AI first, what are some ways that geophysicists use AI for inversion? And, and how did you utilize this specifically for this paper? Yeah, so uh, artificial intelligence and geophysical inversion is still a maturing field with uh, the key areas of focus directed at either enhancing the results of conventional inversion or developing novel methods of teaching machines to develop their own relationships between uh, the various simulated models of the Earth and their expected or uh, predicted response, which would be recorded by geophysical sensors. And until recently, this approach was considered out of bounds for practically useful scales of data acquisition, and only uh, and primarily because there was just not enough compute space to do this. But today, there are only a handful of papers published that have shown results used utilizing fully three-dimensional models for training and imaging data. And in this paper, what we did was we utilized a combination of uh, mathematical transforms of the simulated data and also made some changes to the underlying deep learning architecture that is commonly used in open source algorithms like Google's TensorFlow. And we found that these changes substantially reduced the compute-intensive nature of training the system. And in addition, we've adopted a radically different approach to parallelizing the training process that is usually done on multiple GPUs. And when we combined all of these changes, we were pleasantly surprised to see over a hundredfold improvement in training efficiency compared to uh, what uh, running TensorFlow on a single GPU would achieve. And if we compare it to commonly used parallel processing methods, then the improvement is at least a tenfold. Uh, benefit. So yeah, we were able to deliver results in two days for this problem, which could take anywhere between weeks to several months to complete using conventional deep learning methods. Yeah, just to reiterate there, he said he's at a hundredfold uh, increase as well as uh, two days that take generally weeks or months. That's pretty major there. You know, why now kind of looking at the drones, why is drone-based data acquisition particularly suited to exploring the subsurface infrastructure like these pipelines we're talking about? Well, drones are flexible in terms of how close to the uh, geophysical target, like pipelines, they can fly. To. Uh, they can fly like oh, a meter above the ground, and like that's like three feet uh, above ground, and pipelines are like uh, one or two feet below ground. So that's like a five meter separation. And then they can cover uh, very quickly uh, uh, large distances. Uh, so typically, drones fly at somewhere between five meters to 15 meters per second and still acquire very high quality data. And at these uh, really small centimeters to inches data acquisition interval. So this combination is, a, is particularly useful for collecting data over large sorts of buried infrastructure like pipelines. And a less realized benefit, of course, is the ability to acquire data in hazardous scenarios. Like think about leaks and spills and worse, uh, you can acquire data in those settings using drones without uh, significant human exposure. So all of these things really uh, make drones a go-to uh, device for collecting geophysical data in these settings. What made the two sites that you explored for your field study appealing to you in this study? So uh, both of these sites, uh, we acquired data in um, a site in Texas and in California. And both of these sites uh, had no uh, known commercial sensitivity for data acquisition, processing, or publication. So that was appealing to us. Uh, 
the data that was collected over the Washington on the Brazos State Historic Site in Texas was actually over a known uh, buried water pipe whose geometry, exact depth of burial, and current maintenance status were unknown to us. And we also had the results of conventional geophysical inversion performed over this data set available. So all these factors made this data set appealing to us for our first case study to see how well we perform against uh, uh, known uh, conventional geophysical inversion techniques. And then uh, for the second study, the uh, that was actually a drone data set over a private ranch uh, in the, uh, to the north of Hollister in California. This was like a very challenging data set because the flight height uh, varied from like uh, 10 uh, or 6 feet above ground to 40 feet above ground. And uh, in the vicinity of the pipeline, uh, the flight height varied from 22 to 25 feet above ground level compared to three feet above ground data that was acquired in the Texas site. And moreover, the current ranch owners had no knowledge of pipes or any other metallic infrastructure buried on their property. And the aqua data sets and its associated inversion requirements uh, were like an 18-fold scale-up in computational size compared to what we did in Texas. So uh, all of these uh, complexities made this data set really challenging and attractive to us and uh, really uh, allowed us to test the limits of how far we could scale up our AI-based inversion methods in order to make it commercially viable. So that made inverting the data on the second site appealing to us. Yeah, you, you like a good challenge, it sounds like there. You know, what were the results of, of your exploration of these two field study sites, as you mentioned, in Texas and in California? At a, at a very high level, at the Washington on the Brazos State site, we found that uh, the machine learning-based inversion was able to resolve the top of the uh, water pipe uh, within a, a half-meter uncertainty compared to a three-meter uncertainty, roughly, uh, locating the pipeline structure using a conventional inversion. Uh, in addition, there, uh, we also observed a lot of internal material property variation uh, that was revealed in the machine learning-based inversion that not only supported the observed geophysical data, but also confirmed well with the location of a spigot uh, or a tap that was exposed on the surface that was not known to us at the time of the inversion. So that was really exciting that we that our results uh, were able to pick up uh, small-scale uh, magnetic property variations and then that level of detail. And then these findings really encouraged us then to take on the interpretation of this significantly more complex and challenging data set at Hollister. And there we found that we, uh, yes, even if the drone was flying at uh, a variable flight height, uh, 20, 25 feet above ground, we were able to resolve multiple pipe-like uh, structures. Also that the, uh, uh, the final uh, image that we found, uh, we found that it could explain the uh, residual uh, geophysical data with a median fit of about 87.5% or a 12.5% miss rate. And this uh, was a dramatic drop from the 44% uh, miss fit that we had in the pre-inversion model. And yes, this was a finding for which I would like to credit our assist, uh, associate editor, Chet um, uh, Weiss, and the anonymous reverse for nudging us to do that work. We hadn't thought of doing it. And it, of course, highlights highlight the benefits of the peer review process during uh, publication of these really uh, cutting-edge, groundbreaking technology. That, that's, that's pretty unique there. You know, looking at uh, two kind of different types of inversion, what are some similarities and differences between conventional least squares inversion and machine learning based inversion? 
Well, yeah, at a, at a, at a very high level, uh, the conventional inversion as well as machine learning tend to leverage uh, what is uh, known as the as minimizing the taken-off uh, parametric functional to solve uh, the problem. The key differences, in my opinion, are twofold. Conventional inversion, first of all, seeks to minimize the differences between the observed geophysical data and the predicted geophysical data for a, from a given subsurface model. While, on the other hand, machine learning inversion seeks to minimize the difference between a set of synthetically generated models and the models predicted by updating the weights that are assigned to the machine learning architecture that takes uh, geophysical data as input. So one uh, method seeks to minimize the data differences, the other seeks to minimize model differences. And then secondly, uh, there is, uh, in conventional geophysical inversion, there are some very strict mathematical constraints that need to be imposed on what models can be used to predict data. And for machine learning-based uh, uh, inversion, it is not necessary to impose such constraints. And it's especially the second difference, in my opinion, enables machine learning-based inversions to provide a more effective solutions in settings where we need to capture changes in material property distributions at very different scales, such as we are capturing the sharp contrast between buried pipes or cased wells, for example, and the surrounding relatively smoothly varying geology. And at the same time, if there are changes in material property in the pipe, due to, let's say, a breach in integrity or leaks or spills, etc., those can be captured as well. These changes, uh, they occur at very different scales and can be very difficult to capture simultaneously using conventional geophysical inversion methods. You know, as you, you mentioned earlier, these advanced algorithms and workflows you use resulted in a hundredfold increase in efficiency, delivered results in two days compared to what could take several months using other software. Did you think that this type of efficiency in your results was possible? Oh, well, uh, yeah. So our results today are definitely the results uh, are, are, are because of some very effective cross-pollination of ideas uh, between not only just between this group of co-authors, but I'd also like to acknowledge some of the pioneering work done by uh, people like Vladimir Puzarev and Daniel Colombo and others in recent years, which kind of provided us with the confidence that if uh, they were able to make generic open source algorithms work for difficult geophysical inversions, and they got some pretty interesting improvements, uh, we felt that we should be able to squeeze out some efficiencies by customizing these uh, conventional uh, algorithms to more specifically target the problems we wish to solve. So yes, we did expect the sharp improvements in efficiency. The 100-fold improvement, that was a very pleasant surprise. Are there other use cases for the techniques presented in this paper? Yes, so the broad category of exploration geophysical techniques uh, using a, a variety of sensors like gravity, magnetics, electromagnetics, and seismic, while they're varied in nature, they can be understood uh, mathematically as physical manifestations of uh, the Green's theorem or, uh, applied to a specific class of partial differential equations, or PDs for short. And our approach has been designed to take advantage of some of these uh, special pro uh, properties that are possessed by this class of problems. So yes, we do intend to extend our work as opportunities permit to all these other geophysical techniques and also extend to the realm of medical imaging, uh, non-destructive text testing, and other applications which utilize these Green's theorem and, its, and the associated PDAs. What do you see as a few areas of potential development for the future of this work? 
One of the first things uh, that we hope to have is to generate some interest in doing actual excavation and other forms of ground truth to calibrate uh, the current capabilities of the method in practical settings. We are in discussions with a few entities uh, and also actively inviting partners to help ground truth some of our results. And once that is done, we expect to move into uh, a direction simultaneously. Uh, number one would be to identify the potential blind spots of our technology and its root causes. So mitigation measures can be designed. And the second, of course, because it's machine learning, it should be relatively easy once we feel good about the uh, level of confidence in our uh, results to automate and semi-automate as much of the workflow as possible so as to generate these results in near real time for many practical geophysical exploration problems. And beyond this, we will continue to explore opportunities to perform proof of concept and calibration field trials to develop investor and end user confidence in and, and acceptance of the new technology. So those are some of the uh, areas where we'll be focused in the near future. A lot of exciting ways to, to take this work in the future that I, I'm sure have you very excited. And, you know, kind of similar to that, did, did some new questions pop up along the way that you discovered after completing this paper? Yes, so a key realization was that uh, a majority of the open source machine learning al uh, training algorithms were not really developed, uh, keeping geophysical inversions as a potential use case in mind. So customization of machine learning algorithms for solving uh, these kind of underdetermined inverse problems can, in my view, uh, become a very fruitful area of research in the near future and will likely impact disciplines uh, outside of geophysics like we talked about. And the other related aspect to this is the overall nature of scientific machine learning, which is of a very rapidly evolving field. Because if you look at the, a lot of the current discussions on how uh, machine learning algorithms are evolving in the various uh, public uh, discussion forums, uh, they're typically obsessed with industrial problems of large data sets that may have little or no causal relationships and then how to mitigate and filter data so usable relationships can be found. Uh, scientific machine learning, in my view, are, are of a very different kind because, yeah, there is a lot of causal deterministic relationships to be found, but their needs are different and they need to be addressed from a different perspective. And general open source machine learning algorithms can be a good start, but to optimize the benefits of machine learning in scientific problems, I think a fundamental shift in focus is needed. And kind of lastly here, a little bit more general, and I love how you talk throughout this article of, of how many people involved throughout this paper really help shape this paper. What principle, teaching, or point of view has helped you succeed in your field? Well, to me, uh, passion for doing this kind of work, uh, of course, patience uh, in research and perseverance are certainly key elements. Uh, and over time, I uh, I've also come to value the importance of good communication and the role of uh, negative feedback in science. There have been many ideas that have shaped and changed the world, but if you look at the history, their key champions have often been people who've carried forward the flame, initially led by someone else. Alfred Wegener and Continental Drift, of course, come foremost to mind in geophysics. So my learning and advice is if you receive criticism and negative comments from reviewers or other listeners or readers of your work, it is important to listen and understand their perspective and background, and then go back and craft a message that is right for your audience. And sometimes your message may be fine, but you may just need a different messenger instead of a different message. So 
what I realized is that there is no proven recipe for what works best, uh, but it is important to keep one's focus on this often undervalued area in uh, scientific communication. That is as just about as important as doing the technical work itself. I've never heard someone quite put it that way. So I, I think that is wonderful advice there. Well, Shoyvek, I appreciate your time on this paper and, and your time on this conversation and, and look forward to, to reading in the leading edge and other journals what you discover next. Thank you, Andrew. It was an absolute joy and pleasure conversing with you today. SEG produces Seismic Sound Off to benefit its members, the scientific community, and inform the public on the value of geophysics. To show your support for this show, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Simply go to Seismic Sound Off on Apple Podcasts and Spotify on your phone. It takes less than five seconds to leave a five-star rating and is the number one action you can take to show your appreciation for this free resource. And follow the podcast while you are on the app to be notified when each new episode releases. Original music created by Zach Bridges. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by me, Andrew Gary at 51 Features. The SEG podcast team is Jennifer Cobb, Kathy Gamble, and Ali McGinnis. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.